0: Hey, we're glad that you're here for another online service, and uh, we hope that during this time that you're staying safe and you're staying healthy. We've been praying for you. Uh, Our leaders have been meeting and having lots of meetings to talk about the best way that we can minister to you and help you during this time, and how we can stay connected with each other. And we're doing our best to do that online in as many ways as we can, and we continue to try to improve this experience and change it up a little bit and i hope that we're doing that and so let me pray for us as we begin this message Heavenly Father, would you just open our hearts to what you want to say to us, to how you want to speak to us in this time and these circumstances that we're in. Father, we thank you that you are always with us. We thank you that you are not surprised by what's going on in uh, our world and in our lives today. And Father, we pray that uh, even during this time that we can draw close to you, that we can hear from you, that we can pay attention to what you're saying in our life. And Father, as we open your word, would you just open our heart to what you want to speak into our lives? For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been in a meeting that turned out to have a different agenda than you thought it was going to? I remember in my youth ministry days, way back when, going to a church meeting that I thought was for the purpose of discussing building repairs and painting of rooms and so forth that needed to be done around the church building. And when I walked into the meeting, I was told by one of the other men there that the elders needed me in a separate room of the building. And it turns out They were upset about a Christian movie that I had shown that they didn't quite agree with some of the things that were said, and uh, I was in trouble. And we arrived at the meetings that night with two very different agendas. The truth was that they were ticked when I arrived. And I was ticked when I left the meeting, uh, somehow telling the truth was not part of their agenda that night. Have you ever been in a situation where truth and someone's agenda seem to collide? Maybe the uh, salesman's agenda to sell you that car or uh, that timeshare collides with the truth of whether or not it's a wise and good deal for you. Maybe the friendship ends because one person is too upset by how their feelings are hurt uh, to be bothered with the facts of the situation uh, and what really happened. This week as we continue our series, Not So Innocent Bystanders, we want to look at a few places where truth and agendas collide and see that sometimes our personal agendas may get in the way of us really experiencing the truth. And as a result, it may harm our faith. In this series, we're talking about some people who uh, just kind of became part of the Easter story, sometimes by chance, sometimes uh, they were kind of forced into the story by their job or by their circumstances. Last week, we talked about Jesus being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we talked about Malchus, a man who had his ear cut off while he was there trying to arrest Jesus. Jesus And we talked about how Jesus noticed him, and that Jesus healed him, and we talked about the fact that Jesus always notices our hurts also. Let me fill in the blanks of where we are in the events of the Easter week before we start talking about our not-so-innocent bystanders. Jesus has been betrayed. He's been arrested. His closest friends have deserted him and run away. The illegal trial has taken place at the home of the high priest. Men were paid to tell lies about Jesus, and they had a hard time getting these paid liars to agree on one specific lie. Jesus has been beaten. He's been mocked during this trial. And while this trial was going on, Peter, one of Jesus's closest friends, has denied even knowing Jesus, not once but three times, and all of this ends when the Jewish religious leaders decide that Jesus needs to die, but they don't have the authority to execute him, so they have to take him to one of two leaders that can sentence him to death, and these two leaders are not so innocent bystanders today. One is named Pontius Pilate. Here's what we know about Pilate. He was a very wicked and cruel man. He was known for marching troops with Roman idols through the holy city of Jerusalem, defiling it, and the Jews wanted to kill him for that. He set up tablets dedicated to emperor worship in the temple, and the emperor himself had to intervene to save Pilate's life. He caused a riot by taking money from the temple treasury to build an aqueduct. And he was responsible for the massacre of thousands of Jewish people in the region. Our second not-so-innocent bystander is Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the king of some of the region at this point. His father was known as Herod the Great, and his father was the Herod of the Christmas story, the one who had all of the baby boys in Bethlehem uh, slaughtered. But when Herod the Great died, the kingdom was divided into four parts amongst his four sons, and they were made king. And Herod Antipas is one of those sons. He is the Herod that we read about in the Bible who had John the Baptist arrested and later beheaded. And both of these men... Pilate and Herod become not-so-innocent bystanders in the Easter story. They both end up having an encounter with Jesus on the, night, on the day that he dies. And I think there's some lessons that we can learn from them. In fact, we can learn some lessons about truth and our agendas from them. First, we can learn people are drawn to Jesus for many reasons— People are drawn to Jesus for many reasons. Now, for the sake of time and keeping the message shorter while we're doing only online services, let me tell you the story. Now, if you want to read it on your own, you can read these accounts in Matthew 27 and in Mark 15, in Luke 23, and then in John 18 and chapter 19. Jesus is led from the high priest's home and he's led to Pilate for trial and Pilate uh, talks to him quite a bit. Pilate determines that Jesus is no threat; that he was innocent. And Herod comes into the story because Pilate finds that Jesus is from Galilee, where Herod is in charge. And Herod is in Jerusalem during these days. And so, Jesus. Or so Pilate sends Jesus to Herod, and Herod is going to later send Jesus back. So in this case, both of them are forced into the story because of their jobs and we find that both of them are drawn to Jesus for other reasons. Let's explore some of those reasons. Some people are drawn to Jesus, first of all, because of guilt, because of guilt. The passage that we read, uh, or that we will read in a few minutes, will reveal that Herod had wanted to see Jesus for some time. He had wanted to come into contact with him, and one of the reasons for that was that Herod was feeling guilty he was feeling guilty while Jesus was still ministering and healing people months before this Herod had heard about Jesus he had heard about his miracles look at what this verse says when Herod heard about Jesus he said John the man I beheaded has come back from the dead Herod had been tricked into killing John the Baptist, and so he felt guilty. And sometimes people turn to Jesus because they feel guilty about a sin in their life or because of something in their past, and they want to make it right. And so they're drawn to Jesus. And since Jesus can help us get rid of our guilt by forgiving us, coming to him uh, out of guilt might be a good starting place because he can lift us out of our shame and our guilt, and he can give us a new start. Some are drawn to Jesus for a different reason. Some are drawn to Jesus because of what he can do for them. This was Herod's other motive. Look at this passage from Luke 23. Since Jesus was under Herod's authority, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was glad, because he had heard about Jesus and he wanted to meet him for a long time. He was hoping to see Jesus work a miracle. He was hoping to see Jesus work a miracle. And that seems to be the reason that he wanted to see Jesus. He was mostly drawn to Jesus because he wanted to be entertained by Jesus. He wanted Jesus to walk on the water in his swimming pool or turn some water into wine or do some other miracle for him. It appears that it was just curiosity that was the driving force for Herod. Other times when people are drawn to Jesus, it's based on what he can do for them. And sometimes when they're drawn to Jesus based on what he can do for them, it isn't out of curiosity, it's based on need. Many are drawn to Jesus during times of crisis or conflict in their lives because they need help. They need comfort, they need hope and stability and a new start, and so they turn to Jesus. And if you're turning to him right now or back to him right now during these times because of your need, I want you to know that Jesus can help you during your time of need. He can give you comfort. He can give you hope. He can give you help. And I have to tell you that he might not always rescue you from all of the problems and the pains of your crisis. He may not stop the storm that's raging in your life But he will be with you through the storm, and he will give you strength and help as you navigate your situation. Another thing that sometimes causes people to be drawn to Jesus is family or friends. It appears in the story of Pilate that that might have been the case. I mean, it appears that at first, Pilate might not have paid much attention to Jesus at all, that he might have just made a quick, politically expedient decision except Pilate's wife steps in and gets involved. Look at this verse from Matthew 27. While Pilate was sitting there on the judge's seat, his wife sent this message to him. Don't do anything to that man because he is innocent. Today I had a dream about him and it troubled me very much. It seems that Pilate slowed down and paid better attention after this message from his wife. And some of you are exploring the claims of Jesus because someone that you love, someone that you respect has a relationship with Jesus and it seems to have helped them. It seems to have given them peace and now you want to know more about it. There's nothing wrong with family or friends being the reason that we're drawn toward Jesus initially. Another reason some people are drawn to Jesus is just because he's different. He's different. Let me fill in the story. Some Pilate has been having conversations with Jesus, and Pilate seems somewhat cynical until his wife sends the message, and then after the uh, religious leaders tell him that Jesus claims to be the Son of God, at that point, He seems to slow down. These two things seem to spook Pilate just a little bit. And he's gone back in, and he is asking Jesus more questions. He's trying to determine who Jesus is and where he's from. And Jesus just stays quiet during this time. He's not answering Pilate's questions. Look at what happens next in John 19. Start with verse 10. Pilate said... You refuse to speak to me? Don't you know I have power to set you free and power to have you crucified? Jesus answered, The only power you have over me is the power given to you by God. The man who turned me into you is guilty of a greater sin. And the passage says, That when Jesus said that, Pilate immediately tries to set Jesus free. Pilate is struck by the fact that this man, a man he has said was innocent several times, is so different than the others who have stood before him. I mean, he isn't bitter, he isn't scared, he isn't fighting, he isn't panicked. He's at peace. And many of us have been drawn to Jesus because he's different. He gives us a different kind of peace, a different kind of uh, unconditional love. He accepts us in the midst of our sin and he offers to help us overcome uh, our sin and our hurts. So people are drawn to Jesus for many different reasons. I guess the question that maybe you should spend some time thinking about is this, why are you drawn to Jesus? What is it that has drawn you to Jesus? The second lesson we learn from the passage is pretty sad. That's this. People miss truth because of their own agendas. People miss truth because of their own agendas. You probably know the end of the story. I mean, Herod mocks and ridicules Jesus and sends him back to Pilate, and Pilate tries to do the right thing. He declares Jesus innocent, but eventually he washes his hands to say that he's innocent of Jesus' blood, and he condemns Jesus to die. They both encountered truth that day, and they both missed truth because of their own agendas. What were some of the agendas that kept them from really experiencing the truth of Jesus? Well, one agenda was peer pressure and people-pleasing. Both Pilate and Herod struggled with this. Herod wanted to be liked by the people who were there and so he mocked and ridiculed Jesus and uh, the religious leaders specifically indicated to Pilate that if he didn't do what they wanted that Pilate would be in trouble with the Roman emperor and many today are avoiding the truth of Jesus because of peer pressure or people-pleasing. You have friends or family members who mock people of faith, or you have people in your life who are offended by something that the Bible clearly teaches, and so peer pressure causes you to push aside the truth for a different agenda than what Jesus would have. There's another agenda that would cause some people to miss truth, and it's a harder one. Jesus didn't live up to his expectations. Jesus didn't live up to our expectations. This was the case with Herod i mean if jesus had performed miracles that night if he had done amazing miraculous things that day herod might have been intrigued herod might have released him but jesus didn't live up to his expectations in fact jesus didn't even speak a word to herod so jesus might even have offended herod so herod sent him away to his death Because Jesus didn't live up to his expectation. Maybe something similar has happened to you. I mean, you prayed. You asked for something really specific from God, and it didn't happen. You asked for someone to be healed, or you asked for your marriage to be saved, or for your child to quit rebelling, or for the addiction to be taken away. And those things didn't happen, at least not... Quite the way that you had asked. And Jesus just didn't meet your expectation. In that moment, he was not the God that you wanted. And so maybe you pushed him aside, maybe a little, or maybe completely away from you. And that personal agenda on your part might be keeping you from the truth. So I guess the question today has to be are your personal agendas causing you to ignore the truth are your personal agendas causing you to ignore the truth listen to this exchange between jesus and pilate from uh, the book of john pilate said so you are a king jesus answered you are the one saying i'm a king this is why i was born and came into the world to tell people the truth And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to me. Pilate said, what is truth? After he said this, he went out to the crowd again. Now, Pilate asked a question, but he really didn't want to hear the answer. He said, what is truth? But he really didn't want to wait around and listen. And it's really sad that he didn't because Jesus could have given an answer. Because remember what Jesus said about himself, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And if Pilate had listened, Jesus might have told him the truth, Jesus might have said, Pilate, I am innocent of all these crimes, but I am the rescue of, rescuer that the world's been waiting for. I'm about to pay the price for the sins of all of these people that brought you brought me to you. I'm about to pay the price for your sins. I'm about to make it possible for all people to escape sin and death and hell. So I wonder, what if we decided today to let the truth, overrule our own agendas? What if we let the truth overrule our own agendas? What might Jesus say to you if you made that choice? If you said, Jesus, what is truth, and listened to his answers, what would he say? I think he might say things like this. The truth is you need me today. The truth is I'm going to be with you and very close to you during this scary time. I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I will forgive you of your sins if you trust in me. I think he would say, the truth is when you feel rejected, I accept you just as you are, and I want to help you become who I created you to be, who I know you can be. He would say the truth is there is real truth And that real truth doesn't waver, it doesn't change. He would say, I'm Jesus, and I am the same yesterday, today, and I will be the same tomorrow and next year and forever. Isn't it time to admit that maybe your agenda isn't getting you where you want to be in life, where you need to be? Isn't it time to turn to Jesus and let his truth flood your soul? If you need to do that, you can contact me through our website or uh, you can contact the host of your online service. And we would be glad to help you to experience the joy and the hope that comes from choosing Jesus and making his agenda your new personal agenda. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us with an everlasting love. Father, we thank you that you don't change, that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, and we can count on that. And Father, right now in this uh, time, I just pray that in each home that this service is reaching, that you might... uh, just give peace and comfort and strength that you might help them to see how much you love them, that you are with them. Father, I pray that you will help us to push aside our own personal agendas so that we might live for you, that we might let your life and your love and your agenda rule our heart. And Father, we're so thankful that because of Jesus, we're forgiven for our sins when we've trusted in him. And, Father, we will give you the glory in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. You know, the Last Supper was a crazy time. Jesus and his disciples were gathering around the table, and the Bible says that Jesus was lounging and eating the meal. You see, they were celebrating the Feast of the Unleavened Bread which this festival really goes all the way back to the time when God saved his people, rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt with his signs and his wonders and started them on an adventure of 40 years in the desert. And this feast was a time to remember God's protection, remember how God watches over us and takes care of us. But it's also a time of great uncertainty as they were leaving slavery and going into a, a long journey. And at this time of the Last Supper, it was the same thing because Jesus dropped this huge bombshell and said someone around this table is going to betray me and then the Bible says that all the disciples were very sad and I can only imagine Peter and and all the other disciples just uncertain of what was about to come it's not me what's going to happen I thought we were having a great time and now what you know life is such a a mirage of certainty we think we know how it's all going to come together and just sometimes it doesn't and the same was true on this night in this moment when Jesus took the bread and said take this to remember my sacrifice and the juice to re- remember his blood and you know at a time of uncertainty Jesus always revealed his greatness and so today as we pause for just a moment to remember his sacrifice as we pause in this crazy time of uncertainty may we remember that Jesus is here with us and in these moments is when he reveals his greatness the most let's remember that as we take communion together in our homes collectively all around our community let's remember the greatness of jesus let's pray father in heaven we thank you because you are good you love us and you are with us lord god when you freed the people out of egypt you were with them lord when jesus revealed that he would be betrayed and that he would have to die on that cross he revealed his greatness and in moments like this may you reveal your greatness we love you and praise you in the name of jesus amen Hey everybody, now it's time for our offering. You know, this is a great opportunity for the church while the building is closed. The church is still alive and well and doing amazing things, and we still need um, your ongoing giving at this time of uh, that we're going through. And so we really hope that you still partner with us, and I thank you so much because you guys are doing amazing things to see the light of Jesus shine. And just a reminder at this time, you can give and online. And so right here on WatchImpactPittsburgh.com, you can give on the link that you'll see in the tab above, or if you. To our website, impactpittsburgh.com. If you just scroll down to the bottom of the screen, you'll see the giving tab. Just click on there and you can give there as well. And so let's continue to unite together to use the blessings that God has given to us to make it be a blessing to our community all throughout the world because God is still on the move and he's moving within us and he's going to move through us. Thank you, church. Let's pray right now for offering. Father God, we thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you continue to do. continue to do. And Lord, I just pray for our tithes and our offerings. Use them for your glory. Use them to move in mighty ways that your light may be revealed in, in this difficult time. We give you all the praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.